cliffcentral.com. Listen, we've got to get to uh, JJ Cornish, which is always my favorite part of a Tuesday. And we don't see him every Tuesday, but every second one. And we speak to him about all the goings on on the African continent. It is called African Analysis, and it is brought to you by the Johannesburg Business School. Uh, one of our most important, um, what would we call it, appointments of the yeah. week is yeah. with JJ. So here he is, JJ Cornish. Good morning, sir. Bonjour to both of you. JJ, we can't. Hang on. That was my fault. Go ahead. Okay. I said bonjour to both of you. Uh, Bonjour, JJ. Bonjour to you. (laughs) Ça va très bien. Merci. Are we speaking French because we're starting with Tunisia? That's as as far as it goes. You know what? We're speaking (laughs) French because because I know you are French. And uh, you're probably one one of the reasons that you're so good at your job. And one of the reasons we love to talk to you is because you don't only understand Anglophone Africa. Because really, there are two. There are two Africas. You know, Tabo Mbeki always used to say there are two South Africas. But there's Anglophone and Francophone Africa, and sometimes the two of them don't talk to each other at all. We see that at the AU often. But you can actually understand both. Yeah, and Lusophone I cannot, and Arabic I sadly cannot. These are the languages I should be learning. That divide, the Francophone African divide. You know, we talk about Sahara, North, Sub-Sahara, and North of Sahara Africa. That fr- linguistic divide is bigger than the desert, actually, uh, yeah. and it and it, it persists sadly. You know, it really is, uh, and that's of course a, a legacy of colonialism. But uh, it, it's there, and it it shouldn't be. You know, we should we should have been able to cross it. I know that, and of course, Azana Dlamini Zuma tried. She was taken to France and given us an intensive le- uh, lessons in French. But she never, I never heard her speak it. I know we had a French visitor once when I was still very active covering foreign <laughs> affairs day to day for a newspaper. And I said, Minister, what I've done is prepared a little question in French for you so that the French journalists, you know, will see you, you know, the, 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 the value of your French lessons. And yes. I, I might pop this question to you in French. And she said, don't you dare. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Well, <laughs> oh, <I didn't. laughs> what a pity. All right, JJ. So let's get into some of the stories that you want to talk about this morning that are the most significant and interesting for this week. Uh, and you said Tunisia. So you've kind of already let the cat out of the bag. But thousands of Tunisians have defied the government ban on protests against racist remarks by the president and his increasingly autocratic rule. First of all, what did the president say? And second of all, what racism are they dealing with in Tunisia, especially? Well, four out of five Tunisians believe they have a real problem with uh, racism. Now, what the president said was that the influx or the flood, uh, we don't, we're not supposed to use the word flood when it comes to migrants, but the, 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 the deluge of migrants coming in are all a plan, a plot, to undermine the sort of Arabist element of Tunisia. Now, Tunisia is a small country, punches above its weight in the African Union, at the United Nations. It plays the game. Now, remember where it came from, where it had a real despot, a real uh, 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 anti-democratic Ben Ali who was overthrown. The start of the Arab Spring was, of course, in Tunisia. Now, Mm -hmm. elected is Kais Saeed. And uh, he, in 21, uh, uh, well, in, in fact, he's dissolved parliament. So he's running the country and, they, and, and with a new constitution. And the Tunisians are very much against this. Now, the, hmm. 
union called the UGTT, the kind of Confederation of Unions, which was one of the recipients of the Nobel Prize for setting free Tunisia at the time. They've taken to the streets over remarks by the president and also over his economic policies, which they say are escalating inflation and causing all sorts of trouble and hardship for the Tunisians. But his remarks, as I say, were to say the the black Africans coming into the uh, country are, are there to undermine the Arabist nature of the thing, the demographics of Egypt. Now, once you use that word demographics, you're into you're sort of into yeah. Nazi territory. He's denied yeah. it. But countries like uh, Guinea, uh, uh, Cote d'Ivoire have actually sent charter planes to get their nationals out because following his remarks, some of these uh, foreigners and some of them students there on particular, you know, perfectly legal pretext were uh, attacked. They're thrown out of their lodgings, and some of them were even sacked. So there's been very bad stuff following this. Uh, The Tunisians are saying, uh, well, uh, no foreigner needs to fear anything. But the people have taken to the streets saying everyone is welcome in this country. There have been travel advisories, which you always get when things like this happen, from Britain, from Canada, from Australia, saying be very careful now when you go to Tunisia. And Tunisia's lifeblood is tourism, fisheries. Mm. And, uh, you know, if if, if they they start losing tourists as a result of this, Kais Saeed has got something to answer for. We'll see what happens when he stands for election again. But certainly the Tunisians themselves, and these are people I know, have taken to the streets to say, not in my name. You're not using this kind of language and thinking you can get away with it. And the authorities respond as they would in any undemocratic uh, way uh, with, with an undemocratic leader. We'll stop you talking. You will stop your protest. There have been yeah. arrests. And, of course, those, the, the demand is being made for the release of those people. So it's all it's all up in, in in the air at the moment in Tunisia. It's a small country and it's a country very very close to Europe. So they get a lot of budget tourists. They get a lot of health tourists, um, and uh, you know they built they built a health infrastructure there for people who are re- recuperating or that have treatments and go to Tunisia for it. And to see that this you know this undermined or or, or destroyed. And they did, of course, because of terrorism, three or four ter- very bad acts of terrorism that stopped the tourists going to Tunisia. Now this is happening again because of undemocratic behavior by the president. Very, very sad, Garrett. You know, you think that the world is just moving towards a more open, democratic, liberal, free kind of paradigm but it really isn't and places like tunisia you know the hope of of the the arab spring was that this would result in a better uh kind of north africa and then that that would spread to other parts of the world too where they had these autocrats but it's so sad jj it seems that like the wheel turns and history just repeats itself indeed it does it's very very sad i mean we look at neighboring morocco and see what is happening there don't get me started on Morocco. No, but, you know, Algeria is one area where, where, where again, uh, it, it showed a lot of promise. But, the, you know, Tebun, the new, uh, the, 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 there's, a, there's some intolerance there, too, towards uh, protests and street protests. And these were accepted for some time. So, um, yeah, sadly, in the, in the Maghreb, that part of the, where, you know, the, the part of Africa where the sun sets in Arabic. Maghreb is the mm. opposite of Mpumalanga. 
And uh, mm-hmm. and uh, it, I, I'm sad to say there have been some very, very, uh, very tragic so, developments. JJ, the, the, the 46 least developed countries in the world meet for their first conference. Now, this has got to be like <laughs> – this is like the uh, the people who can't get dates all getting together at a different thing to the the, the actual date night. I mean, it's kind of a not, it's a little bit sad, but it is not even the uh, tide would take them out. <laughs> shame, yeah. I mean, this is so sad. They're in a race against time to meet the U.S. UN Sustainable Development Goals. I mean, it's so unfair to pu- punish the forty six least developed countries in the world by implementing this UN Sustainable Development Goal infrastructure on them. But, you know, the UN has their mandate and this is what they think that they're there to do. So all these poorer countries in the world and and less developed countries now feel that they have to live up to the expectations of the UN. They're all getting together. It's like a, uh, you know, a coalition of the wounded. They're all kind of limping in there and they're going to try and put their case. This is kind of, um, it's a bit of a disappointment in the making, isn't it? Why why would you start it? In fact, Gareth, this is, they've been meeting for 50 years every decade. Oh, so this is their shame. fifth meeting. They're yeah. celebrating 50 years of it. They've got shame. certain criteria that you have to meet. Become among the poorest. You have to be poor. You have to be miserable. <laughs> well, <laughs> all, of those, all of those. Yeah, yeah. You know, or, or else just, you know, just start your career in journalism and then 10 years later it comes automatically, you know. <laughs> well, the fact is, of the 46, sad to say, 33 are African countries. Mm-hmm. And you'd be surprised at the ones that are there, you know, in our neighborhood, none immediately. But yeah, I could read you that list, but it's an, sure. unedifying, an unedifying read. But countries that have graduated out of that, Botswana in 97, uh, Cap Verde in, uh, in 2007, Maldives in 2011, um, Samoa in 17, Equatorial Guinea also in 17 and Vanuatu in 20. They're not all African. So, so in other words, I, I mean, those, those, so those are countries who, who have escaped this horrible meeting of the losers. Yeah. And that, I mean, we must be very proud that we know that Botswana is out of there, that, mm. you know, that there are some, some other countries, uh, Maldives, for example. Mm. I mean, these, these are, it's good to get out of this meeting. This is not the it meeting is. you want to be in. Yeah. Oil rich Angola is still one of the least developed countries. Now, Antonio Guterres opening this conference spoke of the need for a quote revolution of support. He wants $500 billion a year for these countries from the international community and says no more broken promises. The new, it, we need a new uh, international financial system, the WTO and the IMF have to, have to be radically reformed to meet the needs of these countries. But, the, you know, the, the, the global injustice, uh, is, is, he says, unacceptable. But they're affected by, of course, the COVID crisis. They're still feeling the effects of that. The, um, climate change is the one area that's hitting them terribly. Uh, and, and, and so there's all sorts of, there's a program of action, the Doha program of action. Qatar, incidentally, is not a least developed country, but it's still considered a developing country. But this race against time, you know, they had the development goals from the two, the Y2K goals. Nobody, but they were not met. Don't you, so you move this date now to 2030. Yeah. Don't you love the way that these, these countries that are, you know, they're using maybe nuclear energy or wind and solar and they've got all these complicated and advanced ways of generating energy. They're telling countries that only have coal, they're not allowed to burn coal. It's like you, yeah. you just keep, keep not being developed 
But we're also going to implement these uh, very strict rules on how you're allowed to have your energy. It's just, and it the only way like, we can like, develop is we burn coal. <laughs> right. It's, sure. it's the essence of sadomasochism. It's like, you know, I, I, you are made sick and I command you to be well. Yeah, that's neo-colonialism at work. And, and so, you know, look, JJ, look at the countries that really did develop. They all did it on the back of coal. And, uh, you mm. know, but we, we can't yeah. have our turn at that. It's, well, you know, you, no. of course, the environmental no. needs are, are, are great and the, in, the whole sort of environmental onslaught has changed. But we have to have a better deal. And, and if, if we're not allowed well, to use coal, then there has to be some proper form of mitigation and compensation. Well, let's just look at the, the opposite problem that we have because there are one or two countries in Africa that are doing exceptionally well, though you wouldn't really call them African countries. They fit into our sphere of influence. One of them is the Seychelles, and I'm fascinated by the Seychelles. I've never been there. I've only seen how absolutely spectacular it looks mm. there. And they offer, obviously, luxury holidays to super rich people from all over the world. But they've apparently got their own problem. They've got a big drug problem. 10% Libang of the population of the Seychelles is reliant on heroin, cocaine, or crack cocaine. Crack cocaine is still a thing. Mm-hmm. That doesn't very go with much so there. Very much so. It's a very disturbing uh, documentary I've watched on that on, on BBC. But now the Seychelles, that's 155 islands up there. Very, very important strategically. And I'm young enough to remember when South Africans could afford to go to the Seychelles. I don't think they can anymore. <laughs> but they have the highest GDP per capita in Africa. They also rely on tourism, fisheries. Uh, but they have really severe climate change risks, rising ocean, being islands. They would really have a, a problem. And then the salinity in the soil and the aquifers, this is all mm. hitting them. But suddenly mm. we're we learning. Uh, they've got a small population, 100,000 people. 25% of whom are live in poverty. So, I mean, that shouldn't surprise one. The inequality anywhere in Africa is, is, uh, shouldn't surprise one. But here we have, as we say, cocaine, crack and, mm. and, uh, um, heroin all coming in. Uh, the, the documentary mentioned the number of tons of heroin coming in and Jeez. the 10% of the people reliant on it. I don't know how they pay for it because if they're that poor, but it, it was very, very, wow. very sad. And I think the Seychelles, if they want to maintain this uh, uh, cachet as uh, a, a millionaire's playground, is going to have to do something, going to have to address that problem, social problem, and they're going to have to do it very soon. Maybe they should just reshuffle their cabinet. I mean, that's uh, obviously that that's the magic thing. That's what we're all uh, waiting on tenterhooks to see implemented now, now that we've got the announcement of our new cabinet ministers. JJ, it's good to have you on as always. Thank you so much for being uh, a part of our week and our digest of information on Africa. It's brought to you by the Johannesburg Business School, and we'll catch you uh, very soon. I look forward to it. And please remember what I told you. Once I told you a thousand times, Gareth, you are too young to be so cynical. Eh? <laughs> it's uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're absolutely right. I mean, uh, it's somehow, somehow, in, somewhere in there, I'm still an optimist, but I, I'll have to yet prove it to you, JJ. Thank you. 
Au revoir. All right. Au revoir. Uh, I love JJ, man. What a breath of fresh air. Yeah. Like, would you have known half of these things about what's happening in Africa for, if it weren't not. for him? Exactly. No, this is why we, we need him more than we think we do. Yeah. 10% of the Seychelles population are like addicted to heroin, crack, yeah. and cocaine. Heavy, huh? Like, we should go single-handedly help them to stop You think this. so? Yeah. You we, think we could help? We could help. You know, let's help them get rid of all the, all the says, says the country with a major tick problem and a, a cat that, problem that. and and yeah yeah yeah, yeah uh, our, our drugs are worse listen he was saying 25% of their population is in poverty uh, we should wish for those numbers cliffcentral.com